my dude. Hi, dude. How are you, man? I'm okay, man. How are you? Doing great, brother. It's been a long time. Even though the people of the internet don't know, it's been a long time since we've been on top of our shit releasing episodes. You're welcome. But it's been a long time since we've done this live, dude. This is exciting. It has. It's been a long time. We've been been steady releasing episodes from the, the cash that we built up. Yeah. Uh, but we have depleted that. And I was just tweeting about that a second ago, man. This is going to be, I think, the quickest turnaround yet because we're going to record this motherfucker today and then I do believe it's going to air tomorrow. It's going to air tomorrow. We can do this. No yeah, problem. we can do this. We can absolutely do this. I got to say, before we get into it, your hair is looking fucking majestic, my dude. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I had to get the hair down for the reunion, bro. I'm drinking coffee. The hair's down. Lifts and Riffs episode 40 is about to record, bro. This right, is it. man. Thank you. I, uh, You're closer to me now, aren't you? I can feel it. I am. My energy is aligning with yours and the energy of your message. Um, I am permanently in Washington, D.C. now, although there is a bit of impermanence there, as you can see behind me and around me. Uh, I am surrounded by a bunch of boxed up shit uh, because we had a little bit of mix up with the unit that we moved into. And so the one that we actually were supposed to move into, uh, they did not give us that correct floor plan. So right now we are in a tiny little box living out of boxes in the middle of next month when we will move into our forever home. I hope that it's all going well, man. I bet that's kind of fucking stressful. Uh, you know, you know how it is. I know how it is. Uh, well, you don't have any more hair to lose, so I wouldn't know. So you're looking. You are correct. It might, you know, the shit might start falling off from my eyebrows at some point. We don't know, man. If I did, I wish that maybe I would just go ahead and lose everything up here, so I didn't have to shave anymore. Um, oh, man. But yeah. Maybe one day science is going to get there. I don't know. You know who else? You know who else is a big proponent of the shaving of the head? Who? One of the dudes that we're going to be talking to today, man. Oh shit! Is he? Are you ex- Are you excited about who we're talking to today? I am, dude. I've been listening to him all week. I I am incredibly excited about who we're going to be talking to today, and we got we, we've got dudes today not just one dude but we got two dudes who are going to be coming talking to us today a proper sausage fest reunion for lips absolutely yes we got it it's our first one back in a while so we got to outdo ourselves throw it one of the dudes that we're going to be talking to today all right and i say this as a longtime fan of the band i have watched him go from hairy man to bald man gracefully and the very first time that I was looking in the mirror and I was shaving my head, I was thinking to myself, his spirit is with me right now. Nice. He's imbuing me with his power. And ever since then, I feel like I've been a harder individual. I feel like I've been more of a badass. I feel like it's allowed me to embrace baldness in a way that like the regular man says, oh, uh, Bruce Willis, or like, oh, uh, Jason Statham, not me. You know what I say? Tell me. I say Sven Dukaliway from aborted that's what i was going to say but i couldn't pronounce it right so i waited for that you. is what i say and i don't know if i pronounced it correctly or not but um i don't care like i this dude is one of my favorite death metal vocalists i feel like he's incredibly versatile i feel like he has really run the gamut of different styles of death metal throughout his career he's obviously a huge fan of the music he's a huge fan of a lot of sort of the source material that we worship in this particular nook of fandom, uh, horror, and things like that. Um, and we're also going to be joined by Steph, uh, Stefano Franceschini, who is the bass player from Aborted. Um, two dudes who are going to be talking yeah, to us. Talking about aborting things. Weird. Yes. Let's and do. it's, it's going to be, this is a super exciting time to talk to the dudes from Aborted because their long-awaited new album, Maniacult, is going to be coming out later this summer. Um, or actually, I guess technically it's fall, but whatever. I, I still have to get used to the notion of like living in a place that has seasons. So I'll get there. Here while I do that. Coming out yeah. in September, everybody. Look for it. Coming out in September, which is, you know, with my southern ass, it is a summer month, but for the rest of the country or much many other parts of the country is actually fall. Um, but uh, the pre-order packages have rolled out. You can always count on a border to do some fucking killer bonus edition shit. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. 
Um, can't wait to talk to him about it. Can't wait to talk a little bit about the history of the band and uh, whatever else comes up, man. Let's see what comes up because homeboys are in the waiting room all the way from Belgium. Yeah. Yeah, I got that right. They're I don't know. I Well, I don't know where they are, actually. I don't know. I don't know where they're coming to us from. Come on in. Hello. Hello. Can you hear us? Hey. I can hear you. Yes. Got Sven and we, Steph. We got Steph as well. Can you hear us? Yeah. Boys, thanks for being here. No problem. Still waiting on Steph, I think. I'm not sure if he's if he's all the way in. Yeah, he's, he's probably muted or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. You can't, can't just come. You can't just reach across and poke him. Uh, it's just uh, it's not that way anymore. We we. Uh, we do you guys hear me? We got. Yeah, him. yeah. There he is. Uh, there it is. Woo! Va fanculo. <laughs> what up, man? <laughs> what up? What? Is it, uh, are there like a lot of uh, Sopranos references in, in, in uh, the board of interplay? Really. I mean, I don't think we're big fans in the band, right? I mean, I like the Sopranos, at least the first couple seasons. The ending, I you know, let's not go there. But uh, I like the show. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. I, yeah, can't, I can't hear the, the I can't hear that shit without thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it make, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Because, because I'm American. You see, what we do is we take what's yours. Exactly. And we fuck, we fuck it up. Cultural, that's cultural yeah. appropriation. Yeah, like pizza. God damn it. Yes, like pizza. Did we, we have definitely taken pizza and done all kinds of ungodly things to it. But like, <laughs> that's, just, that's just the legacy of us and our what? people. Like, I got to say, I got to say, we say uh, fuck this shit. There's a couple of pizzas like, uh, pizza styles, at least, that really enjoy as an as an Italian. So maybe not like what? all kinds of pizza, but there's a generally a few that I do enjoy actually. Like you talking about American style pizzas? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Dude, like, what are they? Before? We have to know. Well, I mean, uh, uh, New, York, New, York, New York, yeah, New York style. It's it's kind of cool. I, you know, as long as when it's not with. Uh, like a million toppings on top, you know, like ingredients and all kind of stuff. I like yeah, it to yeah. keep it simple. Sure. Have you have that's, you ever been? That's... Sorry, sorry. Have no, you ever go been ahead. To Pittsburgh, Stefano. I we did, have. but I, yeah, we did, but I I don't think I ever tried a pizza there. Dude, you're missing out. Well, that's where I am, and I'm okay. I'm 100 Italian. I'm American, but you know the whole fam fam is is Italian blood. So I, I I can tell from the last name, yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, we know our pizza up here. So if you're ever if you're ever around, we'll give you a crash course in Pittsburgh pizza. It's fucking great. It's like in between uh, New York and Chicago. So it's not like thick, but it's not. Thick. Yeah, of course. Right, right, right. So it's yeah. going to be like I, Pitts, Pittsburgh. I'm in, uh, I'm in D.C. And so if right. you guys are ever this way, I can show you everything that you ever wanted to know about French fries and ranch dressing. Um, we'll put those two things together. Ooh. Negative. We will uh, put on a, put on some tour pounds, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So we it's are very uh, dangerous territory, my friend. You're talking to a Belgian about fries. Oh. You know, well, you can, well, and you guys put all kinds of interesting shit on there, right? Am, am I not? What is it? Uh, it's Pulp Fiction again. Mayonnaise Royale with cheese. The yeah, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking mayonnaise, man. They drown yeah. them in that shit. Yeah, dude, it's <laughs> awesome. You should try it sometime. I'm going, you know, and I actually will. I, now I'm vegan, and so I, I have recently discovered the joys of uh, vegan mayonnaise, the veganaise. That That's shit's great. amazing. Um, yes. And I'm going to start drowning my fries and all kinds of other shit in it. Well, nice. we, guys, we are super, super stoked to have you here today. I'm Schuler. I'm the guy who reached out on Instagram. I'm from Death Metal Radio. I am joined today by my buddy Zach uh, with Death Comes Lifting up in Pittsburgh. And today, like we mentioned earlier, before we got you guys on, but just to recap, we have got Sven and Steph from the Mighty Aborted here. We're going to chat about the new record, Mania Cult, chat a little bit about the history of the band and pretty much anything else that comes up. How are you guys doing? Like in the general sense, in the specific sense, what's going on right now? How's life? Well, life is okay, you know, considering everything. It's slowly starting back up here in Europe. Uh, I am ready to start doing music again and very anxious and excited to see what people actually think of this record that we worked on during the last two years, I guess. 
Uh, I'm done with uh, working full time the whole year without breaks. I'd, I'd like to go on tour, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> same, same here. Same here. Uh, yeah, situation also in Italy starts to, uh, you know, like start looking better uh, in the last couple of months because I mean we, we got we got hit pretty bad by uh, by COVID, but right now like things do look better and like you know like Sven said, uh, really excited and looking forward to taking out the, uh, the, the the record and start playing some shows again. And yeah, uh, a, a nice little break from work. That'd be, that'd be awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it sounds like you guys are definitely sort of feeling that, that pressure and that push to get back out there and start playing and everything. But also I think it's kind of unique. You know, we've, this, this podcast was kind of born um, from pandemic boredom and sort of the inability to do the other things that we like to do in our spare time so we ended up getting a chance to talk to a bunch of people in bands that we really like and for a lot of people it's just been sort of sitting around uh waiting for something to happen right and you guys on the other hand it's pretty cool that it sounds like you've been able to to maintain employment and to to support yourselves and and and, and take care of things uh throughout the past year so like that i mean that sounds like good news right Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stefano, actually, I think he, he wor you work at the university, right? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, I started my PhD uh, course last year. So, um, hey! Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. What are, you, what, are you, what are you focusing on a PhD in? I'm a, I'm a PhD guy myself. Uh, on American literature, actually. American literature. So, you're yeah. not really fond of employment. <laughs> <laughs> No, see, I'm a bass player in death metal band and also like kind of majoring in uh, American letters. So, no, I definitely don't like money. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I, so I, I'm, in the, uh, I'm in the rhetoric program at the University of South Carolina. I've got Dude, about a year sick. left. Yeah, it's, 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 inter it's interesting to say the very least. But like you, I, um, I have said to myself, well, I really love death metal and I really love argument, but I don't like work. Um, exactly. So I'm going to pursue this thing and, you know, do it the American way, spend a shitload of fucking money on loans to get it. And then at the end, uh, let my wife support me. I'm really excited about that. Dude, exactly. <laughs> we, at the end, you know, like at the end of the day, we're going we're gonna to know like a lot of uh, really erudite words, like really yes. good words, but uh, we're never going to put them into practice. So I think Sven actually, though he, he does something a little more practical, it probably... In the long term, uh, it, it may also in the short term, of course, like the, the, the right decision, right, Sven? I mean, I'm a, I'm a product designer. I design uh, digital products, uh, applications, web platforms, whatever. And the last year, I've actually been working for a bank. But uh, I just left that job to go work more back into agency style kind of things because it's a bit more fulfilling than bank work, uh, I think, you know. The banking work may, uh, world may be a little bit too corporate for me, but for sure it's it's been a really cool experience. The people have been very nice, and definitely during the you know the pandemic, it's uh, it's kept the lights on for sure. Which is which is awesome. And you know, mm -hmm. you Sven have done work on a number of of uh, covers for records that a lot of people might not be aware that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, are you? So when you say moving back more into agency, are you, are you talking specifically about a move back towards that kind of work or are you sort of away from that at this point? No, I'm, I'm, I'm away from that at this point. I still do like layouts for uh, friends of mine. Like I'll, I won't do cover artworks anymore because it's much too time consuming, sure. but uh, I'll do all the album artworks, the layouts, and I do them all for Aborted. I, I usually do them for Benighted, you know, for people that are close that, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll do it in my free time because... When it comes to the professional side, I rather focus on something else and really separate the music from the job. It's easier for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is understandable as well. Right. And I, and I think that it's, um, it is a cool sort of segue into aborted, which obviously is the main topic of conversation. Um, just because one of the things that Zach and I were talking about before we got you guys on is how I like, I am, I am a long time aborted fan. Um, and one of the interesting sort of cool things that I have always enjoyed and anticipated about a new aborted release is, and it, this might sound shallow, but I don't think that you're going to take it that way because I can tell you put a lot of thought into it. Uh, the product design, right? Mm -hmm. All of the, all of the bonus stuff, all of the really interesting sort of extras that come with it. And then also just the art and sort of that connection to the music 
and uh, to whatever sort of lyrical mythology that you're working with from one record to the next. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's going to be really exciting today to get to talk to you sort of about that connection, um, how that connection has changed throughout the history of the band and led us all the way up to where we are right now. Um, and before we get to that, or maybe as sort of like a segue into that or a, a movement towards that, the last we heard from Aborted was the Le Grand Masquerade EP uh, that came out, what has it been, a year and a half at this point? I think so, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. April last year, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. April, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little, a little more than a year. Um, mm -hmm. That is sort of the jumping off point for the conversation. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about that. Was, was that sort of like a closing chapter um, for the Terrorvision era, or how, how did you guys look at that? Go ahead, Steph. Yeah. Uh, well, with uh, La Grandma's Corral, we try to, you know, like, uh, we, we did actually write a few songs. I mean, we wrote up like way too many songs for Terrorvision. And um, it was really hard like to pick the right ones for that record. So like a, uh, a couple got left out, but again, just because there were like way too many, otherwise the album would have been like 70 minutes or something like that. So, and also we, uh, as a band, I think, and Sven can confirm that actually, uh, we never like stopped writing. So after Turvision came out and then the, there was the Napalm Death tour uh, being announced. So we did want to have like a uh, compact like were to uh, take on the road because, you know, Turvision was already like a couple of years old. And so we had like this bonus uh, material plus two new songs that Kent wrote uh, between 2019 and last year. So we put like the stunts together and uh, we decided to release them. But then like, you know, this little thing like COVID came and uh, the, the, it, it kind of halted all of our uh, touring plans for, you know, foreseeable future last year. But the, 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 the EP was out. And I think it's kind of a really nice trade union like between Terrorvision and the next record. Though, like, things are a little heavier right now, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into more, uh, we'll get into that a little more later. So, yeah, we, we're, I'm personally really stoked uh, about La Grande Mascarade. You know, like, EPs uh, do, you know, like, uh, go a little under the radar because it's just the three songs plus really short ones, grindeth metal, like, uh, songs. So, but I, I think this is really sit material material in there and uh, I, we, we even like uh presented a song uh actually once on the boat on the same thousand tons of metal we played Ser serpent of depravity uh first time uh outside europe and the reaction was great so uh we just we didn't really want to play the the, the whole ep you know like uh on the tour with napalm death which unfortunately of course didn't happen so well, and it was, it's, I, I thought that Terrorvision was such an excellent record. I think it's one of the best death metal records of the last 10 years. Up, up until recently, when I was living somewhere else, I had the, the banner up behind me. And that'll happen again sometime soon. Uh, oh, I'm currently living out of boxes <laughs> to get there. Um, and then when Lagrade came out, I, I thought that one of the interesting things, or one of the cool things about the new tracks, is just how it seems like the band is getting just more and more in sync, right? We have a couple of long-term members, guys who have been in the band since the beginning or for a very long point at this, at this time. Um, and we've also got some new blood getting mixed in. And it's, it seems like you guys are at a place where the music that you're writing is, is challenging, but the way that you're doing it sounds so second nature. Like it just, it's one of those situations where it's complex right? Um, but at the same time, you make it sound easy. And that was one of the things that I thought was so exciting about Le Grand Masquerade as sort of a, a taster for what was coming next. It's like, man, these guys are like really getting into the groove and getting to the point where this shit sounds so tight. Um, and, and, and so it's like so technical and so complex. But at the same time, this sounds like the kind of shit that's going to be so amazing live. And then you drop the first single from Maniacult and I was like, fuck, that's exactly what's happening. Like this is some of the most, like it's, it's dense and it's, it's technical, like I keep saying, but it's one of the most immediately catchy aborted songs that I've heard off the last like three records. 
Yeah. I think that's uh, quite the difference between the EP and, and the album that's coming up is when we did the EP, we kind of set the mindset of, okay, let's write the most retarded fucking shit we can and put that on an EP because we, we already had the bonus tracks from uh, Terror Vision, which were already sort of like very straightforward, techie, retarded. So we're like, well, we have four songs and it's an EP, so why don't we go you know, full retard, as they say. <laughs> you, ne you never go full retard, but we do. Never go full retard, man. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. And uh, I think the, the, the album, uh, once you get to hear it, you, you'll notice that we, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of that stuff happening, but there's a lot of dynamics going on, on on the new album. There's a lot of variation and a lot of things we haven't done before and a lot of things that we haven't done in a while. So I, I Steph can fill in on this too, but I, I think it's probably the most well-rounded and diverse record we've done until now, probably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, there's a... Uh, this, the, the banger side of music, which you, I hope you like, you guys appreciate it in uh, Impetus, the, uh, the, the, the new one, but also yeah. there's uh, also a very peculiar dark take on melody. And I'm, I'm talking like about a kind of atmospheric vibe that we uh, kind of already experimented with uh, on Terrorvision, but we took that uh, to the next level, I think, on this album. But we also, like Sven said, uh, kind of got back to uh, the, the uh, how would you say, maybe the original aborted sound, like the uh, grind-oriented kind of uh, death metal. So this is, exactly, this is a, a combination of all this. Yeah, that and, and a lot more groove, I think, too, than, than let's say the, the EP that we did. So it's, it's really a, a mix of everything. Yeah. And so one of the things that I noticed as I was looking through the, uh, I, I was, I, I got on the, uh, the aborted email list immediately when I found out that there was going to be like a pre-order announced and everything. And once I start seeing some of the, the song titles and then also the, the name of this character um, who sort of is at the center of the, uh, the, the, the storyline for the record, Waylon Thurston, I started started doing some homework. I'm not sure if you guys can actually see. But I'm picking up my massive HP Lovecraft anthology. Um, and, and so when you say that there is sort of this dark, sort of sinister vibe to the record combined with sort of the more grindy elements of the older aborted, um, was that sort of a conscious decision that came with the lyrical material of the record? Because if we're talking about anything that's sort of Lovecraftian, automatically we're going to get into that darker atmosphere um how, how how did that come together did they come together together or did you have those ideas separately or what i think separately because uh i mean ken wrote most of the material uh on the record and that's he started it like right after even we, we finished the ep or we finished writing the ep which was a long while before it got released but yeah. um he started doing that and I just pieced together the, you know, the, the ideas for the artwork for whatever we can do concept wise. And I'm not going to lie, everything that happened in the last few years is definitely a big part of what's going on in there. Um, and maybe not so necessarily, you know, the pandemic, but what it did to people and, you know, the, the effects on society, how people react. So how do you incorporate something like that into the music, the music being pretty dark. So we immediately went into that direction. So I guess subconsciously you would definitely have a point. It, so what, if you could, um, and I, again, like the, the record's not out yet. We got a couple more months before it's out. I'm very excited about it, but I know that there is, you know, there are uh, scheduling issues behind the scenes that may or may not prevent you from talking about certain aspects of it right now. But it's interesting to me when you say you're more interested, not necessarily in the pandemic, but what it did to people and sort of how maybe lyrically this new record is a reflection of that. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit more about that? Like, what do you mean? Well, honestly, like La Grande Mascarade, I think, I don't know if uh, people really caught on to the fact of, of the lyrics, but that whole EP deals with uh, mental health issues. Yeah. 
So basically, Mania Cult is a continuation of that, but also on a grander scheme, like there's all this conspiracy theory crap going on in the world. You, you see people that you, you really don't expect them to dive into the rabbit hole, but yet they do. So, you know, you wonder like, how is this possible? How do we live in, in times where information is so available, yet a, a large part of the population prefers to watch teenage girls shake their ass on TikTok? You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting to me to see how all of that stuff happened, you know, the shortages, uh, how people react to the shortages and, and supermarkets, all that kind of stuff, how you see well, I guess, you know, if the end of the world is coming, we all know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you can definitely see how there, there seems to be this sort of dichotomy between the, the information that we have access to and the information that we prefer. Um, so, like, mm -hmm. there's all, you know, every everything that uh, has ever been, all the knowledge is here. It's in this little fucking black box that can fit in my pocket and that I can use to, to look up anything I want to. And what do I do? I choose to look up, like, zit-popping videos and shit like that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so like it's it's interesting um to see that reflected in in aborted lyrics but well not not so much interesting because it's surprising but also because i feel like what that does is sort of position a death metal band and specifically a death metal band who has looked at some of the topics that you guys have throughout the course of your career really like well suited to sort of put this into context for us in a way that you know has its own interesting story, you know, pulling from Lovecraftian elements and things like that, but also actually has reflection on the world that we live in, whether it's with mental health um, or whether it is with uh, sort of this horrifying realization of like having the black mirror put to our faces um, mm -hmm. when we're stuck inside and we can't go anywhere and we can't, you know, a lot of the traditional means of contact and conversation with other people have sort of been cut. We're left alone in an empty room with this screen in front of us. And what do we choose to do with that screen, right? Um, and so I feel like you guys' music is a very appropriate vector to sort of approach that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think you, uh, you nailed it there, so thanks. <laughs> On that note, let's get away from the fucking heady shit and let's go to mm -hmm. the cool shit with the, with, the, with the gore and such, right? Um, so <laughs> what, what, uh, when you were sitting there putting together, you know, you talked about digital product design a little while ago and you do layouts and things like that for your band and for other bands that are close to you, Benighted, who is also a fucking favorite of mine. Um, what were sort of the things that you thought about when you were approaching how you were going to put this album together visually and then also sort of the accoutrements that went with that, like, one of the, one of the, I, and I'll give you an example, like with past aborted releases, when the pre-order for Necrotic Manifesto came out and there was a fucking card game that came with it, I was like, why don't all records do this? Like it, it was, it was fun because it was, it was immersive. It added extra dimensions to the record. It was germane to what was going on in the record, but at the same time, it was this really cool sort of thing to have um, to accompany a, a record that you really enjoy. Um, and then you've continuously sort of done things like that for each subsequent release. With this release, we've got like an action figure. We've got all these other cool things that come with it. What sort of went into that process? Well, it's funny because you bring up the card game, but additionally to the card game, if you actually read a lot of the cards, there's a lot of information about who the band members are and how they function and you know what pisses us off or what are our weak points and you know how we make fun of each other and that kind of stuff you know the whole dynamic we had in the band so the card game was really a very you know maybe not so obvious or, or maybe obvious i don't know but a, a very clear window into who we are as people in the band so i thought that was cool and i think we've tried to do that with every record uh, it's my favorite part of doing this whole music thing is whenever we have a release I get to think of something stupid to go along with the record something that unleashes my inner child and and you know as a fan what do what, what what would be sick to see you know a band do that you know we haven't done before what fits the concept and you know in a way this whole Thurston uh, Wayland uh, idea 
came up before the concept even the action figure the we, we actually came up with like okay what are we gonna do this record that's cool and that we can make like an awesome you know like universe around so we came up with you know the the 80s slasher movies universe lovecraft and then so we gotta have a central figure so that's where you know the action figure idea came in because there's a, a friend of mine that that makes uh, custom he-mans and uh, he was like, why don't we have an aborted action figure? I was like, okay, well, let's let's see, you know, if we can even afford it. And, uh, you know, we, we contacted a bunch of people and it seemed doable within our budget. So we nailed out the action figure. Of course, we had Par design the album art first. And that's where we started, like, thinking about, all right, so these are the topics I have in mind, you know, mental health issues, cults, all that kind of stuff. So that's where we have this horrible representation of a guy you know in a ritual um summoning demons but you know it's all voices in his head so that's kind of the you know what that cover means basically uh so it, it all went from there and it just snowballed into the whole we're even doing i mean i can say this now because we're probably launching it in the next couple of days we're uh, we did a, a, a toy commercial for the action figure which is super yes. stupid so get ready for a lot of retarded things to happen <laughs> so you yes. guys like just imagine like the stupidest thing ever but like multiply by a million like well, even more so awesome, man. i feel like that's what we need right now though exactly, you know? exactly. Like, I, I think everybody is so excited about sort of the return um to live music towards being able to sort of congregate in person and sort of geek out about this shit in mm -hmm. person together in ways that we used to and so I think that the the sort of wave of, of death records that we can anticipate at the end of summer into the end of the year are going to be really special and are going to coincide with a really special time. And so I think that the goofy, over-the-top, fun aspect of this music, which sometimes is, is, is a little bit easy to get lost, um, is... is a, a cool thing to embrace right now because ultimately people are excited about seeing their friends again right and excited about the good time that comes with what is often sort of viewed especially from the outside is this really dark really sort of serious uh, batch of subject matter and that that to me is one of the things that i have really appreciated about aborted over the years i feel like lyrically um you're definitely coming out of sort of a, a similar school as, as bands like carcass and exhumed um, who there's definitely, there's meat there, right? There's serious things for serious thought, you know, uh, mental illness being obviously a, a perfect example of something that's very serious, but at the same time, um, a lot of really tongue-in-cheek delivery and a lot of this sort of off-kilter sense of humor that I think is one of the unique things about Death Mode, um, that, that I said is, is easy to sort of overlook from the outside. So it'll be really fun to see um, how this is received. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, to I, to me, and I think to everybody involved in the band, it, it's still about having fun. You know, we're playing a very extreme kind of music and we're all very good friends. And for us, it's all about having fun. And that's why we do all these, you know, fun little added things to the records because it's we're a bunch of nerds and we want to have fun with it. And, and that's all it is, you know. It, for us, it's, it's a job in a way, uh, but we also have other jobs on the side and we just want to have a good time and have a good time with our fans in the main, you know, in the first place. And so speaking of that, um, what are, you know, we, I know what's been sort of announced already, but is there any sort of tour plan stuff that you guys can talk about right now? Or is it, is, is it, is it too early for international stuff or how's, how's that go? Um, I mean, we have a time frame. We definitely want to get back to the U S by next summer. Um, but there's nothing concrete yet. That's just the timeline that we set up, you know, ourselves that that would be ideal for us to get there because before that we're doing Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's too early, you know, booking agents right now are still trying to puzzle out this year in the States. Yeah. They're, it's too far ahead. So it'll, it'll take a while for us to, to actually announce anything in the States, but we definitely plan on making it there hopefully by the summer next year. Awesome. But you guys have rolled out some uh, some European dates, correct? Yep. Yeah. We're uh, we're going on tour uh, February, March. It was supposed to be this September, but due to the situation, everything got moved. So now it's February, March, and it's us with the Acacia Strain, Benedict, and Fleddy Malkovic. Oh. Who's the last band? 
Flatty Malkili, they're like uh, they're Rs from Belgium. Uh, they're like Freddie Mercury, but replace the R's with an L. Interesting. That's what, and, I, thought, that's what I thought I heard, and I was like, "Is that yeah. is? Yeah, is this a, it, 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 like yeah, that's what accent? it is. Yeah, they're like a hardcore uh, metalcore band. They're really cool dudes. They're good friends of ours, and they they actually sing in Dutch. So it'll nice. be really interesting. It's the first time they're very popular in Belgium and Holland, and mm. it'll be very interesting to see them play in front of non-Dutch speaking crowds. But yeah, I was about to say they have a they have a great pull in, uh, in the whole like Benelux area. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's well speaking of the Benelux area and then also sort of the American connection. Um, having Julian and Vincent um, from those two bands out there, those are both guys who have uh, put in time on past aborted releases. Will Will Europe be lucky enough to see them come out and perform some shit with you guys? How fucking awesome would that be? I think so. Yeah, I don't think it'll be an issue. Oh, man. I mean, Julian has done it uh, multiple times, uh, yeah. but I'm sure Vincent will be down too. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Um, so one of the things that I I was really excited when we found out, uh, you know, I, I approached Steph about getting you guys on the podcast and Steph said, well, um, why don't I get Sven to join me? And I was like, oh, fuck, of, of course, that would be amazing. Um, Sven, been in the band. This is your baby. You've, you've been there since the very beginning. Steph, are you are you the most recent addition to Aborted? uh yeah i mean I, you've been yeah, there for a while just, but are you you're still the no you're still, but you're right you're right uh, uh the four of us yeah out of the four of us and then the, the last one joined the band I, I joined the band uh five years ago actually yeah and, uh, so not like you're, it's, it was, it's not like you're it's not like you're brand new but you are you know you're the newest part of the of the core team oh dude absolutely uh you know like sometimes just think about it and i'm like yeah when uh it was like years ago no no wait it was five years ago yeah <laughs> it was like, it's, it, it's it's wild how the time sort of changes it's and, crazy it's crazy subjectively like that but one of the an interesting thing that i wanted to ask you about um is you know coming into this long-running band um that's gone through you know a number of different lineups a number of different sort of stylistic changes um there's this massive musical legacy there um, that you as, as one of the most recent members and then also as a performer and a writer are sort of having to contend with when you come into this unit. Um, was that sort of, was that like an intimidating process or like, how did you feel coming into the band? Like, what did you want your mark to be when you stepped in? I mean, I, I couldn't believe it uh, at first because uh, of course that's, that will sound cheesy, but I don't care. That's the truth. And I, I was a fan of the band. I, I had been following a board for years. And then when I got a call, I, uh, I immediately left my um, job at the time. Uh, so I started like practicing all those uh, songs for the, uh, from the aborted repertoire. And uh, uh, the, the guys flew me in. Uh, we rehearsed, we practiced. And the, the whole atmosphere was so cool because it, it, it felt it fell to me that I hadn't known the guys for like years. And then they did everything they could, like, just, just made me feel at ease as much as possible. And we, so we did practice and it all went great. Uh, we, we, we did this one show in Germany, I think, it was a, a festival with a, with a bunch of cool bands, including Vader, Misery Index. And I, I was, I had, I gotta be honest, I was a little nervous because uh, it was my first Adler show with the board. I think it was spent like what two, three thousand people because it, it was an open air. Like uh, it's more, it's four or five thousand people. And, and yeah, the, the see, it, it was a lot of people. I was like, okay, I'm gonna play with these guys. I uh, just, you know, like wh whom I met like three days earlier, and but it all went, it all went great. Three so, days? You nailed no, the no. fucking set in three it's, days it's, no, 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 it's, I, it's I, even funnier there was one practice and i i hadn't even like heard stefano play until i i was on stage <laughs> oh that's right that's right it was, it was the four Holy of us shit. it was no i mean like i met the guys so we uh i sat with them for uh, like a, a couple of days that we practiced in a room like i think we we, we rehearsed the set like a uh, uh twice i think and so we went over like you know, this little things. Oh, so that's how you play the, the little part. Because I, I thought you played this way. And yeah. so we, we went over all those little things and details. But the show was 
went surprisingly well if you especially if you think like but not just because i did a great job it it was also the guys because i mean yeah they would play with someone they didn't know how he would play on you know like on the stage how tightly he would lock him with the rest of the you know like of the band so it was all great and i think by the second show like the the, the guys let me join the band like officially on, on a permanent level and i was over the moon really so it was a very smooth process and uh yeah well you, you yeah. came on board at an excellent time right terror vision like i said is is one of my favorite aborted records that the title track and then also uh final absolution are up there for me and in, in top aborted record or aborted songs in the entire catalog um but as somebody who is a longtime fan of the band like you like you said you are and then also you know getting a chance to join that band I'm curious, what are what are some of your favorite things to play from before your time uh, in the band? What are some of your favorite old aborted songs? Well, pretty much, it, I, I would say anything by Manifesto, but uh, also uh, Gormageddon and, and, and of course, like I would say Dead Reckoning, which I'm positive probably gonna play a bunch more times, uh, you know, in the, the, uh, the future shows, because we, we did actually play that on the boat. Uh, yeah last year so as part of the special 20th anniversary uh 25th anniversary set so um, uh yeah I, I would probably say necrotic manifesto so that that was the, the record that kind of made me think wow okay so this has been now is doing this kind of stuff because I, I grew up listening to of course injuring in the dead and um yeah. uh, gormageddon and all the kind of like i said before grind oriented tunes yeah but and see the band like metamorph into something more, you know, like darker, more massive and heavier at the same time without actually abandoning or neglecting the, uh, the roots. Uh, that, that, that was really cool. So I would say probably, yeah, that record. That's it, it, awesome, man. And it's, it's cool. It's cool to hear that some of those older records get love from people who, who aren't necessarily, who weren't necessarily part of creating them, right? Like it, one of oh, the things totally. that I love as sort of like, as like a, at this point, like a, a, a I don't know, I don't want to say professional fan, because obviously I don't make any fucking money doing this, but like the majority <laughs> of my time is spent talking about, spent talking about bands that I love. And, and, and one of the things that I really love doing is talking about sort of legacy bands who have got a really long uh, amount of time that they've been active. Um, it's really interesting for me and it's really gratifying for me to see new members come into a band and then sort of bring in an enthusiasm for some of the older stuff that maybe the people who have been in the band for a while might have lost or might have just stopped thinking about or whatever. So talking about songs like Necrotic Manifesto, like Dead Reckoning, like that, as a, as a of the band for a long time, I'm fucking really, really excited about seeing that shit live. When you guys finally make it to the States. Um, now... On the subject of live, right? You guys are about to be back on tour. Um, this is a death metal or a metal podcast, but also, you know, Zach runs a fitness company. Zach is a very big fitness type guy. I work very hard to maintain the body of a father of four. It's important to me. Um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to ask you guys about is getting back into the tour grind. What are some of the things that y'all do? Like, are you active people when you're not on the road? Like, do you work out? Do you, do you put any thought into what you eat or whatever? And then how does that sort of come into play once you get on the road? Is that a difficult transition? Or when you get on the road and it's just like, fuck it, we're going to eat whatever we want to do. Like, what's that, what's that transition like for you guys? Uh, when I'm at home, I, I try to, you know, pay attention to, to what I'm eating. Uh, I do my best, of course, but I like food. I like desserts, sadly, but uh, I work out four or five times a week, usually uh, go to the gym. Of course, uh, during the pandemic, that was a bit tougher because they closed the gyms for a long time here. And uh, it was it was tough getting, you know, gear to do stuff at home for a long time. But uh, I have a setup at home. I go to the gym when I can uh, and I try to keep up. Uh, it's a little tougher to do in Europe than in the US on tour, because in the US you have gym chains. So if you get like some sort of membership at whatever they're called, there's, there's a couple, I, I forgot the name. Planet Fitness. Yeah, for example, you, you can go multiple places. Yeah. You don't really have that in Europe. Uh, there's really? Basic Fit, 
now there's basic fit, but it's limited to a couple of countries. And it's, it doesn't mean that there's one near anywhere that you're playing. So you have to be creative. I usually take a TRX on, uh, on tour and, and, and just do stuff like that. I have some free weights with me. Um, when we were on tour of Cytotoxin, the, the singer Grimo, he's actually uh, yeah. he's a private like a bodybuilder, you know. is he not? Yeah, he's a, yeah he's a personal trainer and bodybuilder, so he he destroyed us for for a good month. <laughs> it's like, and that should be like as an established band, that could be something that you do is like, well, you know, Cytotoxin is an established band too, but like you can sort of cater the the other professions of people in like opening bands or like other bands on the bill to sort of fit whatever you want to get out of the tour. Be like, all right, we're going to put these guys on the bill and we're going to get three free months of CrossFit out of this shit. And it's gonna be <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know, it, Grimo's just a really good friend. We're uh, yeah. Cytotoxin are good buddies. That's usually when we do headlining tours, we, we, we usually get, you know, friends of ours on tour uh that's how it usually works uh but yeah it was it was great getting punished by grimo for a month <laughs> steph how about you where steph where are you exactly where are you located uh i'm rome rome italy rome okay cool i, I wasn't sure if you were in italy or if you'd moved so I, I know that uh the the covid aspects of covid were particularly difficult in italy if i'm not mistaken um, oh no you're right yeah, how has the last year uh, sort of been for you, like sort of activity and fitness-wise? Well, fitness-wise, it's going to be like a very short answer. I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really do not. work out. So uh, that didn't really change for me too much. But um, <laughs> so I, I did, uh, as an Italian, as, you know, cliche as it gets, uh, we, we started like um, – experimented with uh experimented with with a bunch of stuff we uh at home we started making a lot of pizzas and uh handmade pasta and uh like italian ravioli and all it sounds funny but it's that that was actually really serious because uh me you know like my girlfriend and i was wake up get up in the morning like super early and just go to supermarket start lining and because you know uh there were a couple times that where you had to stand in line for like a couple of hours to get into yeah. a supermarket. That uh, sucks, man. Exactly. So uh, then we would get back home and start preparing all that kind of stuff and do like a little teamwork. Okay, you, you take care of the, uh, you know, like the stuffing. I'll do the um, the, the filling. I'll do the, the, the pasta and then I need the bread and all that kind of stuff. So now, that, but besides that, I spend the majority of my time during the very first months of the pandemic uh, working on my MA thesis. Uh, oh. So after in the summer, I prepare for the PhD competition with it, which I actually won. Uh, in the, oh, nice, man. Congratulations. Uh, well, last year. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, it's been a few months where, uh, uh, I, but it's also cool because I, I managed to uh, feature a, a tiny bit of a board also in my, you know, like academia because I, I, I actually wrote a thesis on uh, HP Lawcraft. And uh, nice. I also talked about a little bit about the, you know, like all the uh, adaptations, how, how Lockcraft is actually uh, featured and included in uh, uh, pop or like uh, alternative culture. And mm -hmm. I, I did get to add like a footnote about a board and a song in uh, Retrogore uh, about From Beyond. So that, that was fun. Yeah. So no, yeah. not really. I didn't really work out too much. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's. A, I mean, that that opens a whole new door. Like I, I, you and I definitely need to keep in touch to talk about nerd Absolutely. literature Absolutely. shit and stuff like I was that. Thinking but, about that um, too. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the most interesting aspects I think of of academia is like, and you don't really get to do this that much in undergrad because really sort of like this prescribed, just sort of checking off boxes like, okay, I did these requirements or whatever. Yeah. But once you get into yeah. graduate school, when you're working on your MA, when you're working on your PhD. That's when you get the chance to sort of look at whatever discipline you're in and be like, how can I take the shit that's cool that I like and like find a niche for this inside this particular discipline. And so to hear you, uh, you know, working, you know, certain aspects, obviously Lovecraft is cool as fuck, but like working death metal and things like that into that uh, thesis and then like getting the, the, the recognition of, of winning a fucking an award over that, dude, that's awesome. That's really cool. Oh, to yeah, hear. Man. Thanks, Ben. And 
I'm curious. We're talking about homemade Italian meals. Um, so, you know, out of necessity, so not necessarily the most fun situation. Zach, are you a whiz in the kitchen? Like, do you, uh, do you make any Italian food at home? And I'm curious about how it stacks up against like an actual real Italian here. No offense. You're a real Italian. You're just an Italian man, right? I'm Italian American. I'm pretty good, man. I like to think I'm pretty good, dude. I was raised by my grandma. So like, you know, we're, we got it down. Now I'm healthier. I spin the recipes and make them, you know, a little healthier. I can make a mean fucking plant-based lasagna, bro. No doubt about it. And I, I give it to my Italian family and some of them don't even know the difference. Which parts of Italy actually you from? Uh, my mother's side is from Calabria. Oh, Calabria, yeah. My fathers are from Sicily. Sis, uh, uh, you kind of know, remember the cities, uh, Reggio, Calabria, maybe, or, you know. I honest, honestly, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not it, that it's, good, it's man. Fine. You, you, were, you were specific enough, but those, like, those regions, like, it's, it's, by the way, like, it's, it's far in the south. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, the, 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 no, I was actually, like, uh, telling Schiller, is the, the I, I'm, I'm sure you know, the, the island and actually the, the heel of the, of uh, the boot. The exactly so calabria is the heel and sicily of course is sicily the island but yeah I, i mean food is pretty much great all over the country but uh calabria and sicily oh my god the desserts there all those yeah. ricotta based spend you, you can actually confirm that uh you remember like uh when that uh the guy came over in milan and, and brought us like authentic sicilian like cannoli yes. all the way yes. from sicily to milan just for that arancini shit. Arancini, exactly. See? Hell yeah, man. So, Sven, do you spend a lot of time in the kitchen, man? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like cooking. But uh, I... Tell us about it. Uh, less Italian for me. I mean... Oh, sure. Homemade pizza as well, but uh, I usually use uh, cauliflower base. Because it's a little healthier and it tastes fine. Just as good. And the main problem is we had one really, 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 really good, like, uh, Napoli-style uh, pizzeria over here that closed down during the pandemic. So now there's no good pizza places anymore. But, you know, making it yourself is still better. But I, I do a lot of Thai food. I cook a lot of Thai food, some um, Middle Eastern foods, which Stefano can uh, acknowledge. Shukshuga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, can you, guys, you guys can ask him about shakshuka. He does <laughs> like it won me over uh i think one of the first times uh stayed over at your place and you made that with homemade hummus and some uh, pita bread and i was like fudge i had to do that like when i go back home which i actually do a, a few times yeah that kind of stuff a lot of thai stuff that's mainly you know oh a lot of mexican i love burritos so you know i make a lot of that stuff what uh are there are there mexican food chains No, no. You, no? You, you, okay. There's a couple like local restaurants, but they're very expensive and really not good. So I prefer just making it myself. Same here. We, we have two guys from California in the band. So, you know, yeah. we've made a burrito or two. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But it is, it's always, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me to see sort of how, like, and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation, right? And we were talking mm -hmm. about what Americans do to international food. We just sort of take it and we fry it and we put ranch dressing on it or whatever. Um, it is sort of, it's interesting to see sort of how adaptations from more traditionally at this point, American food. So like, yeah, burritos are Mexican and everything, but the majority of, of the exposure to that kind of stuff at this point comes from like American restaurants and, and especially when you're yeah. out of the country, out of the country. If I remember well, they don't do burritos in Mexico. That's an American thing. Like they do tacos, yeah. but not really burritos. So Yeah, I think I think burritos are American um, or, or mostly American. Um, I think I don't. There are a lot more sandwiches in Mexico apparently. Um, and if you're an American and all you know about Mexican food is just what you see at like Taco Bell and shit like that, when mm -hmm. when when the idea of like bread in Mexico is introduced, you're like, well, that's not a thing. It's it's yeah. it's tor it's tortillas, <laughs> right? Or it's nothing at all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. it's always it's always it's always interesting to me to sort of look like like obviously you guys are going to do a shitload of podcasts and a shitload of different things where you talk about the record and stuff like that. But it's really cool to hear about the record and to hear about sort of the process for that, but also get to find out a little bit about you guys as people. And one of my favorite ways to do that is talk about food. Definitely. 
I totally life. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, we're nearing the end of our time. We're almost done with the podcast. We have a very important ritual that we do at the end of this podcast. And we are very excited to do it with both of you guys because we Uh-oh. haven't recorded a podcast in like a month. Mm-hmm. We took some time off while I was moving and doing other stuff like that. So this is my first time talking to Zach in like a few weeks. Um, definitely, it, it's, it's been amazing talking to both you guys, getting to, to, to talk to people in one of my favorite bands and then find out that like they're not dicks is always an amazing experience for me. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> I am looking forward very much to hearing your answer to these questions. This one important question um, I think that we're going to go, let's go spin first and we'll go Steph second. Zach, okay. hit him with the hammer, brother. All right, brothers. Thank you for joining us. We always have to ask one very important question at the end. And that is, what is your favorite Black Sabbath record? Ooh. <laughs> no Ooh, pressure. Like, no take, pressure. That's a tough time. one. It's, yeah. it's going to be a very weird uh choice for me we've heard them all bro it's not weird okay uh the one that i got exposed to first really i gotta remember the title god damn it what's it look like ah it's the, the the album cover with all the fucking ah no here dehumanizer Okay, yeah. yeah. Dio, yep. Great. The heaviest Dio record. Heavier, heavy as fuck, man. That's a great. Yeah, the Humanizer's great. The Humanizer, is, it's a lot of fun. It's still like, uh, that's one of those records that you go back and listen to. Like that one in Born Again or another one that I think you can go back and listen to and be like, this shit's heavy as fuck, man. Like yeah. even by today's standards. And then sort of you look at the other things that Sabbath were doing between like the early eighties and the mid nineties. And you just think this shit is incredibly heavy, uh, you know, by that standard of the band. So dehumanizer, excellent choice, man. Steph, what's it going to be? <laughs> uh, that's kind of weird, I think, but I, I don't really have to think about it. Uh, for me, it's uh, eternal idol. You are our first eternal idol. You really are. I think so. Absolutely. That's, Tell me a little bit about your exposure to that record. Well, actually, uh, I mean, I, I got to older brothers who, of course, um, raised me with uh, heavy metal, the, the classics, yeah. Big Four, Our Maiden, Priest, Sabbath, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I pretty much listened to most of them, if not all of them. So Paranoid and Volume Four, Sabotage, and, you know, the, the classics, Never Say yeah. Die. But I like the... Uh, the 80s feel that they started getting halfway through the 80s indeed and uh i, I think when, when i when i listened to eternal idol the first time i was like okay so this sounds like uh non-techy mom's team but with more doom so pretty much like sabbath but uh, 80s style and i i love the uh, guitar tuning they use I, I think it's half a step down so it, it, it all goes toward making the music way darker. And I think the title track, the, the ending is so like, how to say like breathable, like so open, so atmospheric. So, yeah. And I, I, I just fell in love with that. And I still like played it even after all those years. Never it's gets an, old. It's an epic record. And it, like exactly. the, Shining, the Shining is an amazing song. Born to Lose is an amazing song. Like, I, yeah, I, I think... It's definitely a slept the on record. The second one, too, the, the second, because uh, Shining is the first, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the opening song. And the, 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 the one after that, I think the second one, uh, uh, I don't remember the title. Uh, see, but uh, it's with the very catchy, like, uh, Chris. Um, anyway, the keep, it, says, it says something about the Keeper of Light, but that's not a title, I think. Ancient Warrior. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, dude. That's fucking awesome! Like, and it, and you just the way you described it earlier too, non-techy Malmsteen with something with Doom parts or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty what? cool, man. That's the nail on the fucking head right there, man. So we passed the exam, both of us, right? 
Oh yeah, with flying yes. colors. You man. passed the exam answer. with flying colors. You have defended your dissertation on uh, your Sabbath <laughs> opinion, <laughs> as it were. Man, we're safe. Um, yes, you're <laughs> safe. I bestow upon you the fucking degree of doctor. Man, thank you guys so much, Sven. It's really amazing to get a chance to talk to you, Steph. This is the beginning of what is definitely going to be a long-lasting friendship. I certainly hope. Um, bonding over our respective nerd shit. We we absolutely love the band Maniacult coming out in September. Cannot wait uh, to hear the whole thing and for you guys to get back out on the road and enjoy Europe and hopefully come see us in the States sometime in the not too distant future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys. Thank you. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. Out, guys, have a good one. You too, you guys. Talk soon. Talk soon. Ta-ta. Ta-ta, brother. Dude, what good dudes? They're really good dudes. Yeah, what a couple of good dudes! That's it's a good. classic episode. Um, I fucking talked out of my ass and uh, just I, sort of. I talked about pizza and we're good. Talked about pizza. I admit I didn't know that you had that strong. Obviously, the name, but I didn't know that you had such strong Italian heritage, like with uh, with your family and stuff like that. That's pretty cool, man. Oh yeah, man, we're cutthroat. My um. Well, t- we could talk more about this later off podcast, but my uh, my grandpa was my dad's dad was a legit like gangster here in Pittsburgh, like a part of the mafia. Like he was like shot several times and shit. And like there's a book yeah. about him. Yeah. He was like, he, he's we're we're in this shit for real. You know, I just yeah, played I it hear, on the low key. I want to hear all about that. And we'll yeah. talk we'll we'll talk through it privately first. And then if we decide that it's the kind of shit that the public can handle. Maybe we'll do another solo podcast between yeah. just the two of us. Oh, we definitely need to do that. That's no doubt, bro. And uh, Most definitely, yeah. dude. I love you. I love it's you. Really good to see you. It's been a while. It's been too long. Um, I know. For the people listening right now, we've got like I think three or four other ones like semi lined up. Almost got a lock on some people uh, that we're really excited to talk to. We got more bands coming. We're venturing out. And talking yes. to other people other than just musicians, it's going to be a blast. We hope that you continue on this ride with us. Thank you so much for the support so far. Um, Zach, I'll talk to you next time, homie. Yeah, man. I love you. Thank you for everything. Uh, exactly. We'll be up tomorrow. Yes. Talk soon. See you.